Hello and welcome. The goal of this podcast is to get listeners connected with others in the sports industry because they say it's all about who you know and now you know us. All right. Hello and welcome, Constant Sports Podcast listeners. Today we are joined by Dr. Adrian Boucher. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Perfect. And then we're also joined by our co-host, Callum Pullman, today. How's it going, Callum? Glad to be here. Great. So I'm going to give a little background to the viewers and listeners. So uh, Dr. Boucher is currently the director of uh, the, the DeVos Sports Business Management Program at the University of Central Florida. He also spent time at the University of Tulsa, uh, 12 years uh, to be exact, at the Warren Clinic as an endowed professor of sports business. He's a Fulbright Fellow uh, in Portugal and is a research fellow of the North American Society for Sports Management. He also, in 2017, served as a visiting associate professor at the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State, forks up. Uh, he's also published uh, a bunch of articles uh, in the Omega Journal of Management Science, the Journal of Sport Management, Sports Management Review, um, among several others, as well as prior to his time in academia, he served in positions with the Miami Dolphins, with the Miami Marlins, Learfield, also as a senior director for team league and venue services for SFX, uh, Clear Channel Entertainment, which is now Live uh, Nation for all those listeners. So thanks again, doctor, for joining us. And uh, is there anything you want to add or touch base on? No, I think you hit the highlights of my career. Perfect. Yeah, so very, very esteemed career. So we're excited for you to, you know, share your thoughts, insights with the listeners uh, in the sports industry. So we'll just go ahead and dive in um, here and, you know, kind of get it rolling. Sounds good. So uh, kind of starting from the beginning, why did you choose a career in sports, uh, the sports industry? Well, I, I mean, I guess I'm like everybody else. When you graduate college, you sit there and ask yourself, what you know, what can I do to get a competitive advantage? Yep. You know, what are, what are my strengths and weaknesses? And let me play to my strengths. And one of my strengths was was knowledge about the sports industry from the business side of, of, of sports. So that's kind of what I went into. This was really before there were there were many sport business, sport management programs out there like they are now. So I didn't necessarily have any background or any training in it, but I thought this this field would give me a competitive advantage. Wonderful. And is uh, what was like the, the competitive advantage? Like when you first started out, was it just you know you figured you could you had certain skills that you already had from I know you yeah. played in, in sports and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought I had the ability to work harder than the average worker. I was I was willing to do what it took to to stand out. Mm -hmm. uh, I was willing to move anywhere, you know, in the country. Um, uh, I, you have to be mobile if you want a career in the sports business, right? If you sit there and say, you know, I want a career and I'm only going to live in Phoenix, Arizona, well, <laughs> at least you're lucky in the fact that Phoenix has a lot of the professional sports. But if you want to be promoted and move up and all that, chances are you have to move at least for, for most people. And I was willing to do that. Right. And it, did your time as a football player and whatnot play a role in, you know, you feeling like you had the, the work ethic and things like that, or is that kind yeah, of I mean, something obviously, else? Yeah, obviously from a time, more from a time management standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. I had good time management. I had a, I had a strong work ethic. I also had no plan B I and mean, there was no, <laughs> there was no fallback if this thing didn't work. So it really right. kind of had to pan out because, you know, I wasn't going to move back home with mom and dad. So, yeah. So I had some I had some incentive. Got it. And then as you kind of made your way over to Miami and, you know, with the Marlins and Dolphins, how was kind of what was your first job? What was your how'd you get your foot in the door to get those positions? 
Well, it didn't start out. It didn't. I didn't start out in professional sports. I started out in the Canadian Football League, and mm-hmm. like when I said, I was willing to move. That's what I mean. I, I started out in the Canadian Football League. Worked a couple of years that. Then I went to um, the American Hockey League, which is kind of the AAA of hockey, and I worked for a franchise in Baltimore. And and one of the guys that was a consultant for uh, for both the Canadian Football League and for the the Baltimore franchise told me he's the one that gave me the heads up about the opening. Uh, with the Marlins, which back in those days were a new Major League Baseball team. Right. I, I was dating a girl that lived in South Florida, so he thought I might be interested. Uh, so I interviewed for the job, and I was lucky enough to get the job. But I got the job based on my minor league experience. Right. So, you know, it, it's not, you know you're not just going to start out in the major leagues always. I had to put in three years of work before I got that opportunity. So that was kind of the start of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like it was based off your, your 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 networking, kind of who you knew, but then also as you, you like, like you alluded to, you were in the travel and you went to the Canadian League and then minor league hockey. So that's kind of how you can build up. Yeah, no, no question that networking is is what got me the job, and and I can almost say that the networking got me every job after that as well. But but that was networking. You know, you're only going to be a good networker if people have confidence that you're going to work hard. I mean, it. Right. I know a lot of people that know a lot of people, but that doesn't mean they're going to get hired. So mm-hmm. it's got to be, yes, networking is critical, but there's also got to be the, um, the the abilities and the work ethic behind it as well. And people have to know that about you. Right. So kind of, you know, going off that, people got to know about you. They have to know you're a hard worker. What are some skills or traits that you've seen successful people within the sports industry have? The ability to get on the phone and sell yourself. And maybe I'm maybe I'm kind of dating that using the phone analogy. Maybe I should say the ability to get on Zoom and sell yourself. But the ability to communicate to another human being that you are going to be an asset to the organization and you are going to help one of their headaches go away. Right. All, all good bosses, no matter what the field is, all good bosses want to hire good employees so they don't constantly have to put up with, with headaches. And if you can show a boss that you can take away a headache, and you can be an asset to an organization. But you have to convey that. Mm-hmm. Back in my day, it was on the telephone. Maybe now it's on the internet, on Zoom, whatever whatever medium you want to use. But either way, you have to convey that to someone. Right. And, and that goes all into your interpersonal skills and the, the soft skills and hard skills. And so what are some other different like marketing associations, sports industry related associations that you are a part of? So what are, what are some of the sport associations I'm a member of? Right, right. Okay. Well, I mean, in terms of, I mean, I'm a member of a lot of organizations. A lot of them are academic now that I'm on the academic Mm -hmm. side of the house. Okay. When I was working in the business, you went to the typical conferences that, you know, the NBA puts on, Major League Baseball. A lot of times they're around the all-star game. When I got on the academic side of the house, the conferences I started going were more the academic conferences because Mm -hmm. I was a tenure-track faculty member and I had to do what it took to get tenure, to get full professor. To, to get the academic accolades. And most of those were, you know, the North American Society for Sport Management was a good one. They call mm-hmm. it NASA. That conference is every year. That's a great conference to go to. Sport Marketing Association is another really good conference. That's an academic conference, but it also has strong ties to the sport marketing industry as well. So those are just a couple that I would that I would name. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll have those for the listeners. We'll we'll send out the links and share more information about those. Sounds like you know really good places to meet and network. Um, so you mentioned as you're you kind of were in the I guess the business side of the sports industry, then you switched to the academic side. What's kind of been the biggest difference you've seen? You know, besides like the research side of the the industry um, that you've seen. 
Well, I mean, they're two totally different career paths, right? One of them is much more, you know, the the academic side of the house would say they're kind of a life of the mind is what they, is what most professors like, right? It's a little bit more of a laid back lifestyle, but it's also stressful in the fact that, you know, if you're going to work at one of the top 100, 150 research universities, you have to do research, you have to teach your class at a very high level if you want to get promoted, if you want to get tenure, if you want to get promoted to full professor. I mean, it's like a lot of other fields, you can kind of hide, but if you want a leadership position, you got to stand out. And, you know, and and, and I, I was successful because I took the experience I had in the sports industry and I brought that into the classroom. Mm-hmm. So students, you know, I have a nice resume. If you're a student looking to break into the business, why not take a class under someone that worked for 15 years in the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, for one of the hottest sport marketing companies around before I went back and got my PhD. But I also brought a work ethic into academia, right? When you work for Major League Baseball and you're working 81 baseball games <laughs> a year where it's 9 o'clock on a Monday night and you're at the ballpark, you know, it's easy to bring that work ethic into academia and, and kind of outwork people. And I would say that really helped my career in academia as well. Perfect. So yeah, just to work hard and make sure you're you know, willing to put in those hours. I think a lot of people that want to work in sports kind of forget about, I don't know if it's the dark side of sports or just the real side that it's, you're working all the home games. And it's not like you're watching the game, you're working the game. So you have no clue like what the score is or what's going on, you know? You're you're working during other people's leisure time. <laughs> yeah. Right? So on a Sunday in the NFL, they're coming out to the, to the stadium to drink a beer, to watch the Miami Dolphins, but you're at work, right? You're mm-hmm. getting there three or four hours before the game and you're working all the way through the game and, and past the game when everybody else is having a good time. That was okay with me. It didn't bother me, but it's a grind. Yep. Definitely. And that's, that's some of the things that we've, you know, as we've been networking and talking to others in the industry is that the sports industry itself is, you know, unlike other industries, it's a lot of a grind. It's what, you know, the, the dark, in dark days, you know, long hours, that type of stuff where it's not so glamorous as, as people think, obviously it's enjoyable, of course, because yeah you know, sports and, but it's just something to think about. And then I had very few other skills, right? (laughs) I wasn't going to leave the sports industry and go to med school. Right. Yeah. I I can't save any lives or anything, but I can, I can market and do that type of stuff, you know? Uh, And then you've, you've spent some time doing some consulting work and different research projects, but specifically on the consulting side, um, or maybe even the marketing um, when you were a manager. What were some of your favorite projects um, or events that you were able to, to work with? So one of the you know one of the one of the fascinating things I think about my career is you know not many people do what I did. Not many people work for fifteen years right. um, in, with professional sports franchises and then jump over and, and go back and get their PhD. But one of the things I thought was really useful when I got my PhD, which is basically when you learn to do academic research. And if you look at, you know, I'm in a business school, as as is the Arizona State program in the business slash law school, um, you know, you're around a lot of other business professors, and you see how they conduct research, and you see how uh, they reach out to industry. Well, I didn't really have to reach out to industry. I knew industry backwards. I knew the sports industry backwards and forwards. All my friends stayed back. All my friends are now <laughs> in positions of leadership within Major League Baseball, the NFL, one of them just got the president's job for, for a team in the Premier League in England. So I would constantly be asking them, what what sort of issues are out there that you think would be interesting for me to do research on? What Within sport marketing, what are you looking at? Are you looking at pricing tickets? 
Are you looking at selling tickets? Are you looking at, you know, pricing sponsorships, trying to show the value of a sponsorship to a firm that, that paid, that paid your sports franchise a lot of money. And let me look into these. Let me collect data. Let me take what I've learned in academia through taking hours and hours of research methods courses. Let me see if I can kind of get some answers for you uh, using the methods that I learned you know, while I was getting my PhD. And that provided, it provided me with a lot of academic articles that nobody would ever read right. except other academics. But it also provided them a lot of answers for questions that they needed answers to, but they did not have the ability to conduct that kind of research. So it was kind of a win-win for when, when I went to the academic side of the house. It was kind of a win-win for, for myself and then, and then the friends and, and colleagues I had in the sports that still worked in professional sports and college sports. So it sounds like you're able to merge kind of, you know, both industries yeah, into one that could help out, you know, both make it a win-win. So absolutely. And other but and other industries have been doing this, even in academia, other disciplines in academia have been doing this for a long time with other industries. I just took what they doing and, and, and sort of said, how can I do this with the sports business business? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, thank, thanks for giving that kind of the background and the, your career journey there. And we're going to kind of segue into your current position as a director there at UCF. And we'll go ahead and Cal and we'll, we'll uh, ask you some questions. Sure. Yeah, definitely appreciate it, Connor. So uh, you talked about sort of um, the, the sports business program at UCF being more of a part of the business school. Um, so I was hoping you could give the listeners a little bit of a background on maybe the history of the program, as well as kind of what you've seen from it since you've been there. And just so people who aren't familiar with it can get a better sense of what it's all about. Okay. Well, so I'm the director and professor of what we call the DeVos program. And the DeVos program is named after the DeVos family, uh, which is the same family that owns the Orlando Magic basketball team. Uh, the DeVos family donated money to the University of Central Florida's College of Business about 22 years ago to start a master's degree in sport business management Okay. associated with business schools, which back in those days was, was kind of a non-existent relationship. Right. I don't know if they were the first, but I can say they were one of the first. So the DeVos family donated a significant amount of money to start this program. So it was created and is still and is still structured this way where the students get two master's degrees. They get an MBA, master's in business administration, and then they get a master's degree in sport business management. So the way the program is structured now is the first year they take pretty much their MBA courses. And then the second year they take courses that are more uh, sports specific. And then at the end of whatever, 20, 22 months, they get two master's degrees. So okay. that's the way the course was set up. Obviously, again, the family that donated the money that, that endowed the programs, the same family that owns the Orlando Magic NBA basketball team. So it provided students with a, with a wealth of experience to work in the sports, sports industry. I mean, when you have an endowed program that's endowed by the same family that owns the basketball team in your town, I mean, that's a really good head start. Right. We're located in Central Florida, which is one of the epicenters of uh, sports in this country. Right. When I interviewed for this job, I said, look, there's only three or four cities that really can make this work. One of them was Orlando, Central Florida. Another was Tampa. And the third was uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yep. I mean, to me, those three cities, maybe Los Angeles could make a case as well. 
But those three cities are really cities that have a competitive advantage over a lot of the other programs. We have the Orlando Magic. We have Orlando City Major League Soccer. We have the U.S. Tennis Association based in here. We have NASCAR about 45 minutes up the road. We have the PGA Tour about an hour away. We have the LPGA Tour. Uh, we have uh, Disney Wide World Sports for all the youth sports uh, in town. So we have a plethora of uh, professional and college sports, not to mention University of Central Florida's athletic department, which is one of the fastest growing in Division One. So we yeah. have, uh, every, historically, everything was here for us to have a great program. We had the the uh, the sports organizations, and we had the resources provided by the DeVos family. Absolutely, yeah. I would say, I mean, being in Central Florida, like you touched on, really gives you an advantage to kind of hit all four major sports and everything even beyond that. And then uh, having the program ability to really provide students with two master's degrees um, definitely gives them a step above. Uh, I would appreciate it if you kind of touched a little bit now on some of the backgrounds of some of the professors that are um, part of the program and, you know, maybe where they uh, have gotten some previous real world experience in the industry before um, just to give sort of potential students uh, a look inside of who they'd be learning from. Sure. So, you know, if you talk about the founding of this program, you have to mention Dr. Richard Lapchick. He was the founding father of our program. Um, just to give you his background, he has been one of the leaders in race and gender studies within sports for the last 20 years. Uh, he has lectured all around the world on this topic. He's written, I think, 18 books about the subject. Uh, far and away the leader when it comes to race and gender as they relate to sports. Um, just got back last month from visiting the Pope and at the Vatican in Italy. Wow. Um, so he is the worldwide leader. So he was the one that first started this program. He is still with us, even though he's he's in a phased out retirement. Uh, then I'm a professor. Again, I spent about 15 years um, uh, experience before I got my PhD that we discussed earlier in the podcast. We have Keith Harrison, who, again, is another really great scholar of race and culture issues within sports. He's been on the, been on the faculty here for about 16 years. He came to us from the University of Michigan, um, Washington State University. So he has been around a while. Scott Buckstein is our is our expert on the legal aspects of sports and oversees our undergraduate minor. And his sport law class is always one of the most uh, talked about courses, not just in the business school, but really on campus. And we have Ashley Turner, who is our director of external partnerships. And Ashley spent about 10 years working for the Orlando Magic before she came to the DeVos program about three years ago. So when you take a when you take a when you come to this program, you're going to get experience from professors that not only have the academic credentials, but also have have the uh, sport industry professional experience, and also have ties to the sport industry. So right. our faculty is really is really excellent. Yeah, it sounds like uh, a lot of the people you mentioned have impressive backgrounds, both real world and uh, educational wise, like you mentioned. Uh, and then you just you talked a little bit about the sports law class. Would you say that's sort of if you kind of talk to all the students, would you say that's really the crowd favorite? Or are there a couple other classes that you think uh, students in the past have really enjoyed? 
Well, I would certainly say that's one of them. The other, the other course I would give credit to would be the sport analytics. We have a business and sport analytics course that is taught by Jay Rayola, who is the senior vice president of analytics for the Orlando Magic. Okay. So here we go again, trying to bring, trying to bring that practical experience uh, into the classroom. So I would say the sport law and the sport analytics class uh, are the two, are the two classes that get the most, uh, that get the most buzz, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, and then sort of sticking on the topic of students, what are some examples of jobs or different organizations that you've seen uh, graduating students kind of end up in in the past couple of years and sort of where have you seen them progress from there? So again, we, we kind of have, we kind of have our finger uh, in a lot of different pies in terms of where do our graduates go? It really depends on what they're looking to do. Okay. But, you know, they either go to work for professional sports franchises or they go to work for colleges or they go to work for sport agencies. Those are kind of the three areas that most of our graduates go to. Um, we've had a lot of graduates go into analytics. We've had a lot of graduates go into some form of the sponsorship side of things, whether it's selling sponsorships and what we call marketing partnerships whether it's servicing those marketing partnerships and the service aspects of, the, of those departments, that tends to be uh, kind of a favorite. We have a lot of people that have gone into the operations aspects of sports. Again, Orlando is a big sport event town as well. So a lot of, you know, we have three bowl games here uh, every December. So a lot of students get experience in the event side of sports um, in, in addition to what a lot of the things Disney does as well. So the event side of it, is another area where we're pretty strong in. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome to see that you guys are really spread uh, pretty widely regarding, you know, different organizations, agencies, teams, and events, like you mentioned. Uh, that's really great to see. And then I guess um, sort of final thing related to the program for anyone listening to this, are there any uh, important, you know, application dates or possible touring dates or things like that related to the program uh, that you'd want to share with people. And then, as always, uh, we release a newsletter every Friday, and we can throw those dates on there uh, so there can be an extra set of eyes on them. Sure. So we accept applications um, to the program. This is a cohort program, so we admit usually around twenty students a year, and they they go through the program together as a cohort. And we tell our students that, you know, your best chance of getting hired are sitting right next to you in class because it's going to be your classmates that, uh, that are your, your first step in your network. Yeah. Getting back to your question, uh, we are in the reviewing process uh, now for the next three weeks in terms of admitting students into the program. We ask them to have their applications in. Uh, I think if you're an international student, February 1st is the date. If you're a domestic student, March 1st is the date. So we'll start reviewing applications in the next two or three weeks and start admitting students. Um, but the, if they're interested in starting in August, March 1st tends to be the the, the stop date for it. So we'll be doing okay. that for the next month and a half or so. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we'll definitely throw those dates um, up on our socials as well as the newsletter that we release. So anyone interested in applying uh, can kind of see exactly when the deadline is. And then obviously that information is on your website. So yeah, I appreciate all the helpful information regarding the specifics of uh, the UCF program. Um, and Connor's going to wrap us up with some rapid fire questions for you. 
Perfect. Thanks, Cal. And, and so kind of finish off here. We're just, I'm going to give you some questions, kind of the first thought or answer you have that comes to mind um, type of questions. So starting off here, what is your favorite course to teach? If you could pick one. Well, I teach a political economy of sport class where we talk about the role that sports has uh, in the economy in terms of uh, the political, the philosophical reasons why we play sports. And we look at sort of turning points in the last 75 years in sports. For instance, in 1983, when the Supreme Court struck down the NCAA's ownership model of college athletics, that really changed sports mm -hmm. uh, at the college level. We talk about the labor movement in Major League Baseball in the 1960s and how that really changed the salary structure of professional sports. So probably the political economy of sport class is, is my favorite. Perfect. Yeah, sounds very intriguing and, uh, you know, a lot of history and stuff that goes into it, not just of sports, but on the outside and kind of the, the real world and, what, and whatnot. And then what is your favorite quote uh, or motto? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about the favorite quote the other day. I'm not sure there is, I'm not sure I have a, I'm not sure I have one, right? Uh, right. Mar Margaret Mead, a famous anthropologist said, uh, you know, uh, it only takes one person to change the world. So that, you know, that's been one that stuck by me for, for, for my career. Um, somebody asked Golda Meir one time, who was the first female prime minister of Israel, can you do as good a job as a man can? And she said, I don't know if I can do as good a job, but I can certainly do every bit as bad a job. So that's another quote. Uh, that's another quote that stuck with me, but I've, I've probably got a lot of quotes, but those are two that kind of stand out. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And then what is your favorite book? Uh, well, I read constantly, so I don't necessarily have a favorite book, but I'm always looking at how other industries have grown and then trying to relate that back to sport, to the sport business industry, right? It seems like we're 20 or 20 or 30 years behind other industries in yeah. terms of adopting technology and, and almost everything we do. Uh, so I just, I'm always reading books about other industries and seeing how they've grown and then trying to apply that. To, to my field, which is the sports industry. Great. And then kind of piggybacking off that question, how do you stay up to date in the sports industry and certain mediums or articles and things that you read? So, uh, you know, I guess I'll start off every morning by uh, by looking at D1 Ticker. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yep. If you want if you want to, you know, if you want to stay abreast of the college sports news, that's probably what you need to subscribe to. And, and they've even kind of broadened it to where they're into a little bit of the professional sports as well. So D1 Ticker is probably how I start off start off the day. I would also subscribe to Sports Business Journal, yep. uh, which is kind of a must-read. Uh, it's put out every week or every two weeks that, that really keeps you updated on the, the, sports, the sports world. Perfect. Yeah, well, I, I agree with those. And we had uh, Abe Madcore come uh, last, I guess it was last year, and he spoke to the class. It was really cool to kind of see the – you know how the, how it all works and all the articles and how much you know how much stuff that they're in. So it's quite the it's business good. they got over there. Yeah, it's good. He does a good job. He does. We agree. And then um, kind of just finishing off, uh, the floor is yours if you want to. Uh, you know, if you have any websites or any program dates or you know where people can follow you, things like that. The floor is just kind of yours to wrap it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can Adrian Boucher is my name. You can certainly go to my LinkedIn site and and follow me if you want more information about the DeVos program. Uh, you can go to the University of Central Florida College of Business. Uh, DeVos program is the name of it. 
Uh, you can always just Google me and get there as well. If you have any questions, uh, if you would like to take some sort of uh, tour of our facilities, uh, we usually do that in November, uh, October, November. We usually have students in that are prospective students for the following year. We usually build it around a football game, uh, maybe a basketball game, something like that, where we invite students to take tours of the program and of the campus, and most of all, to meet with our former students, our mm -hmm. current students, and they can kind of tell the story better than I can of the program. Perfect. Well, thanks again for uh, taking the time and talking with Cal and I today. And I know our viewers are going to get a lot of you know advice, industry experience from just listening to this podcast. So we'll make sure to send all the links and all the info regarding uh, the program and things like that is also as, um, your link as well. And we appreciate um, you stopping by and, and sharing your experiences with us today. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Yep, yep, thanks for joining us. Hey, you know what they say. It's all about who you know. And now, you know Adrian Boucher.